When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I wanna get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. These episodes, uh, when we when we talk about this subject, it's hard because I know a lot of my listeners, a lot of my families that come on to Beyond Risk and Back, uh, they've seen a version of rock bottom with their kids that is terrifying, and that's suicide. I have Chris Lehman here uh, at the conference, and when we sat down, I said, all right, what are we going to discuss on the air? He just very simply said zero suicides. And I think that's enough. I think that's enough with, you know, with what we can start with and run this show. So, Chris, thanks for being on the on the show. Uh, my parents are going to need to hear what you have to say, and I'll just start with the uh, with the question: How do we get from children nowadays seeing suicide as an option to zero suicides? What are what's that's a big gap? How do we fill it? Yeah, it is a big gap. Uh, my name is Chris Lehman. I'm licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed, licensed addiction counselor. Huge gap. And right now, Colorado's 10th in the nation oh. in leading that gap and rising. So what we're concerned about is how we're reacting in the community as mental health professionals, how we're educating our mental health professionals, and how we're doing uh, serving the community and educating the community. So if you look back, you know, I can look, I did a little uh, spiel earlier and look back and I, you know, I asked the question and we're at a conference and I asked, the question is, and this is therapists, doctors, yeah, everybody, I said, how many people in college had a semester class in treating suicide? And one hand went up. Out of maybe a hundred people. It's like asking medical doctors how many studied nutrition. That's right. So what we're trying to do is educate people in the industry to take care of people from the point they come in from intake all the way to treatment. Right. Right. So when someone's suicidal and they walk in the door and they've identified a risk, then we got to get it on paper. Of course we do. You know, and that's part of the ugly process for families that are bringing children in is everything is paperwork, paperwork, yeah, paperwork. Yeah, it is. That intake sometimes takes two to three hours, four to five hours, you're in a hospital. A day. Exactly. And then only to be turned away. Right. Right. So we were talking about that, too. We've lost our state and mental health beds across the nation, not just Colorado. So that's, and is everybody mad about that? We're mad. Right. We are mad. We want more funding to take care of our adolescents, our elderly, our middle-aged men. Yeah. Right are at-risk kids. So it's like, you know, we're all mad about it, but what can we do about it? You right. know? So what, now what, is what so I'm what, thinking. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to do, is we're trying to educate the community with zero suicide. In other words, we want to reduce, and I know this is terrible, 
number, but we want to reduce by 20% in the state of Colorado the number of suicide. Zero suicide is a, a perfection mark that we work towards. Will we ever get there? I don't know. You know, maybe in some distant future, but the ones that do come in for help, right? We're not going to help the kid that, you know, I mean, I, I was talking, talking with my daughter and uh, it was a couple weeks ago at college, not a couple weeks, about a couple months ago at college, one of her classmates who was doing really well, a student, working on her team, just committed suicide, Aye. right? And it, all indications, nothing wrong. Happy kid, go lucky kid, you know, com connected to the community, serving the community, gone, right? He didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell anyone. Right. So and that's what it seems. Right. So when we're looking at kids that don't tell or we're looking at adults that don't tell, there's not much we can do. Right. Because right. they never came in. But we're responsible for the ones that do say, hey, I'm a burden or I don't feel like I'm connecting to other human beings. Right. Or I feel like it'll never it never turns out right. I feel a loss that I can't compete with in my mind. You know, when those people are talking like that, they're using absolutist words. Right. And they've identified themselves as they, hey man, I, I could use some help here. Right. That's where we need to pick up the ball. As we, as we talk with parents, uh, uh, parents who are dealing with, you know, uh, uh, Maybe this is the first time or the second time that their kid has revealed suicidal, uh, suicidal ideation, uh, suicidality. Um, we got two things where we're kind of the door opens one of two ways. Uh, suicide is a way of solving this problem or life will never get better than this. So what's the point? Right. And those seem to be two determining factors. Um, but one of the things that that I. Uh, I still navigate, and I and I wanna I wanna help parents put this to rest. It's a cry for help. There's just a cry for help. They're not really suicidal. It's just a cry for help. And my my response usually is, yeah, every single time. And it's a cry for help until they can't cry anymore. Like, so so what what is it we need? moms and dads to understand about suicide and suicidality to take it serious every time it's yeah. not you know some kids can't tell you look i'm just venting but right now i just want to end it all because my girlfriend broke up with me i'm not gonna i want to go to college i'm just venting i feel that intent like kids don't have emotional intelligence like that most adults don't so how do we how do we communicate to parents it's a real deal every time yeah so the real deal is what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if your kid comes to you and says, "I don't want to be on planet Earth. I'm tired, or I've lost, or I don't think I'm ever gonna win, or it's never gonna get better." Just like you're talking about, and it, you have to take them serious every time. Otherwise, you become an emotional hostage, right? You're thinking about these parents and these family members. They're doing the best they can. You know, sometimes problem people have a problem. And then the problem people that have problems bring that problem person. Sure. Right? And so maybe the family's a little dysfunctional. It doesn't matter. It's all, it can all get better if they take it serious every time. 
you know. And it, you know, I always say to a, a father or a mother or an uncle or a cousin, I always say, hey, what if you didn't? And the worst happened. You know, what are you, what are you going to tell yourself? You know, when you're burying your kid or burying your family member. I should have. Right. Do you want to be saying that, or do you just want to say, well, you said it, kid. I'm going to take you to the hospital. I'm going to take you. To, I'm going to take you down. You're going to talk to Chris Lehman. You're going to talk to this guy over here. You're going to talk to this gal, and. You know, if they're not serious, then, you know, that behavior kind of quells itself. Yeah, so let's talk about that because you said we're going to take it seriously every time. Yeah. What does that mean to you? You're, if, if a kid says, uh, it just doesn't matter anymore, nobody cares if I'm here or not, nobody right. cares if I'm alive or dead, they don't need to say, Mom, I'm suicidal. No. They can say all types of yeah. curtained language and everything, but... When you hear it, what does take it seriously mean for you? What's your intervention at that moment? My intervention is stop. Breathe as a person. Breathe. I don't care if you're a therapist or a person. Right. You have to stop. When you hear a combination of words like absolutist words, like all, every, never, you know, all these ones, of themselves they mean nothing. But when you hear them in combinations... Like, I'm never, everyone and never. Everyone treats me badly. It's never going to get better. Right? And it's, when you hear those combinations coming out of your kid, it's time to go, hey, what do you mean by that? It's stop. Breathe. Ask the question. Are you doing okay here on planet Earth? You know, do you need me to just shut up and listen to what you got to say without any, you know, without any input? You know, parents are emotional, so they're going to come, ah, ah, you know. <laughs> if my kid did it, I'd be there, too. Sure, of course. Right? Of course. And so we, sometimes we just need to shut up and say, hey, how are you doing on planet Earth, kid? You know, how's your friends? How's your social? How's your school? Right? I know I'm working all the time. You know, is there something we can do? Take a day off, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to fix anything. It's just going to give your kid room to actually be honest, you know, to be honest with you. And then if he says, man, I'm so tired of this, then you say, how tired are you? How tired are you? Yeah. Pursue the conversation. And you can't come at it from an emotional standpoint. You have to come back. You're, I love my kid more than anything in the earth. Everybody does. Everybody loves kids. And it's like, I got to help this person. You know? What's the cutoff from, as a parent, you got to shut up and listen. You take the day off. You go for a walk. You get some honest talk. What's the cutoff at where you would advise a parent to say, I need to call 911 or I need to tell my kid, hey, listen, right. we're going to take this one to the hospital. And I know that's a scary idea, yep. but you've just walked out of my scope of practice. Exactly. You know, where, where, where is that? Exactly. Wherever the parent feels it is, right? I mean, you're not an expert. As a parent, you're just not an expert. You're a parent, not an expert. I got, a, I got six kids. I was, a, I was an electrician. I became a therapist when I was an electrician. I was like, I had no way to talk about this. I'm a parent and an expert, but right. I am not both at the same time ever. Ever, <laughs> ever. So now, guess what? I'm going to say, now what? So what? I gotta, let's go, kid. Let's yeah. go talk to somebody, right? And then when they have means, right, you have to decrease lethality around the house. 
it's not against your amendments. It's not against your, you know, your rights as a human being. It's about loving your kid enough to lock shit up. Look, access is a no. Access is the number one uh, uh, cause of suicide by gun. Right. Is the access right. to it. If right. you don't got a safe, go buy one. Right. And you know, I want to make everybody aware that if you go to the Colorado Mental Health website, you're going to find the Gun Shop Project, which people lock up your guns for free, right? And all you do, and it's for free, and you get them back. It's not you just have to pass a background check to get them back. Right, but you can get your guns out of your house. You can take your sharpest knives and put them in a lockbox. Yeah. You know, and you can take your medications and lock them up too. Right? Ten minutes fumbling around trying to find your medications in a lockbox is worth your kids staying alive. It's worth you staying alive. It's worth your spouse staying alive. Maybe it's your uncle. Maybe it's your cousin. Right. Maybe you can help. You know. So that's, you know, th those kind of things. Decreased lethality is everything. How about the, the, the talking about suicide? This is one thing that I learned very early stages, but it's something that I need parents to hear again and again and again, because we won't learn it until we've heard it 10,000 times. But the, the, the concept of, you don't sugarcoat this conversation. You don't patty cake this conversation. This is a life and death topic. You need to talk about it full tilt. Like we, we don't call it, you know, going to sleep forever we call it suicide like what, what are your thoughts on this yeah so if you're you know there's all, there's two schools of thought they're like if we talk about it people are going to increase that is you know is there you, any evidence to show that being real none that i know of yeah. none that i've seen right you know you hear copycat suicides you hear all this kids are talking about suicide it's in the music. Yeah. It's in the news. Yeah. It's all over the place. Adults are talking about suicide. It's in the, you know, it's everywhere we look. If you're not talking about it in a real way, what that means, the finality, the impact that it has on your family, even years later, then you're not telling the truth. So We'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing, incredible drink to hand out to other people, to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of Guayaki Yerba Mate and brain recovery, brain building. I could, I could spend an entire episode, which I did, by the way, with one of the co-founders, David Carr. So go listen to that Beyond Risk and Back episode. And you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate, and you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate and go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information, the, 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 the new cutting edge research in brain development, addiction recovery, mental health. And I get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads, parents. So thank you to Winter Symposium and thank you to Guayaki. Okay, let's get back to our guest. So 
this this conversation piece when we're talking uh is there an age that's too young to have straightforward conversation about suicide? You know, we, we talk about honest talk and real talk. We can't be telling lies here. It's all going to get better. Like, you can't promise anybody that ever. And yet, we have to also talk to a child about the permanence of this concept. So, is there any, is there any age where we need to sugarcoat it? And if there is some way to soften it for a younger kid. How do we do that? So to allay your fears, you know, 10 and under is the least number of suicide completions in the, in the nation. So that is a rare occurrence. So, but we have to find a way to tell our kids the truth about death, about the finality of death. When you get up into the older ages, you know, 10 to 15 to 18 to 24 to 25, the brain's still formulating. You're still forming, formulating emotional intelligence within the brain. So, and if there was drug use or anything like that, that's delayed. Oh, yeah, it's delayed. Yeah. So when you're looking at those concepts, it's, is it ever a good idea to lie to your kid? Is it ever? Ever. Ever, right? You might have to soften that. You might have to get help from someone that knows how to soften that. You might have to take them to a child therapist that knows how to work with that in a sandbox or in a, you know, in a, in a metaphorical way that they can understand that there is, you can overcome emotional impulse, you know, and that's the biggest thing is emotional impulse. When you have means, motive, intent, so you got the means to do it, you have, the, you have a motive, it's an impulse in your head, you're like, whoa, it's, it's coming up again and again. And then you've got the intent, and that intensity builds, and it becomes like a tunnel. And all of a sudden, you can't see everything you love and care about in this world, and it's a dark place, hard to reach, even for a professional. Yeah. And we, that's before we get to that tunnel, we've got a chance at interrupting. Studies all over the world have said if we interrupt it, we've got a chance. You're not going to save anyone. Right? There is no saving anyone, you know, and that's the biggest concept. Well, I saved that and I saved, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not restarting your heart as a therapist. I'm, I'm a small piece in a machine that can interrupt, give you a brand new opportunity to rethink your situation, get past that impulse, and maybe hook you up to protective factors that you currently already have or the don't, you don't even know it exists yet. And that seems to be the most important role of the parent is, is to field this initial conversation and then connect them to someone who really has the training skill uh, because we are, we're, we're every single one of them. I really love what you just said is that it, we're not lifeguards. This is, that's not what this is. We're a piece of a component. We're one component of a machine. We're a, a bolt in an engine. Yeah, we're a part of holding it together, but there are some more important out there, more important parts out there that are better trained, that are more qualified. Like that's a that's a good point. You also brought up the concept of intervention, and I want to say something that I think has a little bit of this. This one's a little risky for me to say, but there is. A fad aspect. There's a, a copycat, a trending that takes place. And and we're in Colorado Springs. Uh, suicide among adolescents in the Springs 
is horrendous numbers, horrendous numbers. Where I live in Estes Park, also in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, terrible epidemic of teen suicide. Um, but it seems to be that when one child at a school does it, there's copycats. Oh, yeah. Why is it seems like it's addictive? What's going on with that? Because it's easy when someone leaves, when you know somebody that's leaving the planet because of their problems, what that does is essentially is give you permission somewhere in your mind that that's an option. So you may have already been thinking about it. You may have had similar problems. You may miss your friends. You may see all the, everything that's happening around that event. And you somewhere in your mind, give yourself permission to do it, to do it too. All right. Where if that hadn't happened, perhaps you wouldn't have given yourself permission. You don't have a, you don't have, you can't actually see its form, like yeah. the reality of it. Look at all these people who care. Look at, look at how people are talking about them. Yeah. And that's, you know, I want to get away from that because, uh, you know, kids do need attention. Yeah, of course. But if they're nurtured in a, let's say, in, I, want, I hate to use the word normal because it's a setting on a dryer, you know, but if they're, if they, if, if you have good enough parents, good enough, and, and I say that uh, in a way that's, because parents, there's no such thing as perfect parenting. There are good enough parents. And if you have a family environment that's good enough, you're providing those perfect protective factors for that individual, right? You may not even realize. It's like a fish hook that, you know, if you take a, if you take a, fence post in your backyard and you try to stand it up and you put a line on it it's going to fall over you put two lines on it it's still going to teeter it'll balance for a bit but it's going to fall over right if you put three lines on it it's going to be there right, right? so what i say is like okay let's start hooking these kids up to protective factors and maybe it's just reminding them that they do have them you know sometimes kids become dissociated they become discouraged they're not paying attention. That's part of that funneling down into that tunnel. Right. They're not paying attention to the, you know, somebody loves them, you know, most of the time, right? Right. Most of the time. And I'm not saying all, but the ones we can save, we will save, right? Yeah. And, but that has to, it takes an interruption for that kid to be go, oh yeah. Or maybe it took an interruption for dad to say, oh yeah. Like maybe I've been working too much. Maybe I've, you know, the family situation isn't that great. Maybe I'm not telling that kid he's important. You know, there's a lot of things that have to happen. And, and one of them is your kid's got to know that he's important, right? That adult, your best friend, that uncle, that father, that mom, you know, they got to know that they're important. Somehow, some, everybody needs that in their life. And it doesn't mean important at work. It doesn't mean important at here. It just means, hey, you know, this whole concept of, hey, somebody loves me. Somebody thinks that from this end to that end, I'm with you, brother. You see what I mean? Yeah, I do. And that's, and that's a hard concept because we're so isolated. We're more connected. We're more connected than we've ever been through social media, text, all these different concepts. Put down your phones and tell your friend you love them. We're all alone together sometimes, it feels like. Yeah, it's yeah. like driving a car, you know? Social media is like driving a car. I can tell anybody anything about anything, and, and, but I'm never connecting. You know, right. our bodies are wired for a social experiment. 
you know, it's the neural chemistry of the, of the, of the human being. And you can't get that all the time through social media. You yeah. can't get it through 3,000 texts a week to your friends, <laughs> right? I mean, put it down. Tell somebody you care about them. Tell somebody they're important to you. You know, hang out with somebody. Do something like that, right? Chris, talk about the organization we're with as we're wrapping up to the end here. Okay, so the organization is Crossroads Turning Points. Uh, I'm a director of the co-occurring services. So I deal with a substance use disorder and mental health. I've got a great team of caring, uh, caring, clini caring clinicians. Three and, times fast. And I've got great, some, I've great supervision. I've got bosses over me that actually care about this topic. Wow. They're trying to connect to the community. The best thing I think they do well is they're trying to care about the clinicians. You know, teach, having them do good self-care so they can be available to provide that good self-care for you and your family. Good. So I hope that uh, if you're in trouble in our area, which is in the southern parts of Colorado, I hope you uh, find us a resource. 18 and up? 18 and up. Mm -hmm. And we do. We are treating adolescents. Good. So. Good. How can someone get in touch with you directly, Chris? Uh, you can get in touch with me at 719-404-1992. Chris Lehman, thank you so much for your time. Always one of the most important topics we can ever talk about. Uh, and I appreciate you taking time away from this conference and your talk here to be on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you. Appreciate your time. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is... Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting, and I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show, and I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium, and of course, all my fans everywhere, all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.
what we got here. All right, go ahead. Guys, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Perfect. Perfect. 